following show first aired on KZYX, listener-powered community radio from Mendocino County and beyond in July 2023. You are listening to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We also stream live at KZYX.org. This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, a listener-supported community radio. Chad Swimmer, and welcome to the Ecology Hour. Today, we are going to talk to Nathan Anderson of Anderson's Alternatives, the native wood gallery, handcrafted furniture, and tons of beautiful wood that he has milled himself, and has a perspective on the local timber industry that's worth hearing. I'm sorry, but the interview I promised with Braid Copling of Humboldt County about Laura Mahon, the hero of the Redwoods of Humboldt Redwoods State Park, that is going to be put off for a couple months, and I'm going to take it in depth and do a whole episode. So, and let's go back to a little bit more Gene Parsons, Banjo Duck. Nathan Anderson, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell us what led you to this alternative wood business you've got? Well, I started out um, at working with uh, Bill Heil, who had a little sawmill um, at 14, um, 14, 15 years old, and um, we uh, ran a little LT30 manual, and we... Um, hand crank winch you know very kind of primitive uh setup but um me and him work together and and uh so that's kind of how i learned so i come from it from as a sawyer helper slash green chain they call it sometimes you know but that's how i came to it was from that and then just worked with bill for a good 10 12 years and then went out on my own and started figuring out what I wanted to do you know for myself mm-hmm. and you grew up here yeah yeah um, in Albion right yeah um, well I was born in Orange County I came here when I was one mm-hmm. um, and um, went to you know various in the sundry through Fort Bragg Mendocino schools and also went to the whale school and stuff like that and you know just uh, yeah kind of uh, my dad was kind of a Vagabond, gypsy, a little bit, and we would travel. Stayed on the coast, but we would live in different situations and different times. My parents had mutual custody, so I had at some part was with my mom, and some part was with my dad. But we would move around and live in different free camping environments, or you know, rivers, beaches, stuff like that. You know, so we would uh, we kind of lived a little bit of a free lifestyle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. In the early, you know, in the in the mid '80s, you know, early and mid '80s, here you could camp out wherever you wanted, and, and we we just kind of did mostly for the summers, right? And in the winter, we'd find somewhere to be inside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, 
So you come at this wood business kind of from a different angle than many people. You were involved in the Redwood Summer. I wasn't so much involved in Redwood Summer. Um, We don't have ice cream. (laughs) Good harvest. They've got all kinds there. I wasn't actually that much involved in Redwood Summer. Oddly enough, I was in Fort Bragg, and when Redwood Summer happened, the day it happened, but I was probably like five blocks away from it um, with my friends riding bikes and stuff. You can ask um, questions if you want. We can stop. Do you have any questions? <laughs> uh, walnut. Yeah. Uh, Phil, uh, Clara Walnut. Uh, the value would be 40 bucks. Yeah. Go see the girls. Yeah, go see the girls. They'll help you with it. Thanks. Um, and um, sorry, what were we? Five blocks away from. Me. Oh yeah, I wasn't right there, but I, it was funny because I was I was I was near it, but I wasn't there. But um, my kind of direct action, so to speak, was working with uh, um, with uh, you know what would they call it? Uh, you know, Albion, the Albion uprising or whatever, and and Enchanted you know, Meadow and. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that, uh, that slaughterhouse gulch or whatever? That whole thing kind of. That's kind of when I started kind of working with that. And because I worked with Bill, we would go to the, we would go to the, we'd work at the sawmill till noon, and then we'd go to the rally for a few hours, and then we'd go back to the sawmill and work work at the sawmill in the afternoon. So we, I kind of got you know a little bit of that experience of like uh, kind of more of the um, you know a little bit more like the uh, you know direct action and, and also woodworking, you know, or, you know, sawings at the same time. So that was kind of the balance. That's kind of, I was young then. I was, you know, 10, 12 years old. You know, I was 13. You know, I was, I really wasn't, you know, I was just there because I was there kind of, you know, it wasn't so much of an opinion thing, but it became something. I did go to Headwaters and I, I, um, I did a lot of time up there working sporting in any way I could different different scenarios um, you know that would go on up there brought a bus up there at one point and for the big main rally and shuttled people around and yeah a lot of different things and ways in which I've helped up there can you articulate how you balance in your mind or what you see as what you saw as the problems with the kind of logging that was going on once you became aware of it, but now that you are involved in selling wood. Yeah. Um, well, I think a big thing that was was happening was the extraction mentality, which was the corporate, you know, model. And I think that, um, you know, years and years and years ago, there used to be sawmills in every, in every little town, right? And then GP and LP and these companies came in and they, those sawmills were, closed down or were shut down or weren't, you know, weren't employed, weren't, you know, local owned anymore. They, you know, it was a corporation, corporate model. And the corporate model came in and, um, you know, made this big thing, pulled a bunch of material um, and had it to where, you know, one of the ways in which this business, Anderson's Alternatives, started was that I came back from my work in Headwaters and stuff and I was like, my friends would get a hold of me and they would say, because they knew I was involved in wood, and they'd say, well, we need some wood for building this or doing that, and we don't want to go to the corporate uh, model. Yeah, a little piece of burl. Uh, it's probably worth, uh, it's the most expensive over there, I think is 80 75 or 80 is probably worth 50. Oh, yeah, so we were, yeah, so we people, people wanted to build, turn it over. It's a piece of curly, 
if you want that other one too, uh, ten bucks if you want the uh, for that if you want the other one. So sixty altogether. Okay. Thanks. Um, and uh, so yeah, we came back from Headwaters. So yeah, we came back. From, I came back from Headwaters, and there was um, uh, a lot of friends that were looking for lumber to build with, but they weren't going to build with. They didn't want to build with the local you know, GP or LP or Palco or whatever, you know, any corporate lumber. They wanted something that was local. And I went and um, um, and that's when I kind of started Anderson Alternatives. I started milling wood in my backyard. Um, and, um, and, and that was... <laughs> you can have half of that. The other half next month. You got to give me a little bit. But that's... <laughs> As much sugar as an ice cream? No. So we... Um, I don't think so. Yeah, so that so I started milling wood and, and making, you know, milling lumber and making stuff that... Uh, elsewhere. We're recording. That's going to be a bunch of noisy crinkling and crackling. I bet you can go sit back there. Yeah, there's a, there's a uh, couch in, in the office you can sit. Yeah, go into the office back there. tell them you're Oliver. <laughs> and do not think of eating that entire thing. <laughs> I gave him money for ice cream. Oh, right. That's what came out of it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Condensed ice cream. Yeah, so, um, so, so yeah, I started milling wood and I'd be, you know, I kind of, um, you know, was able to find some logs. I borrowed a little bit of money from a, an older friend, mentor kind of a person. I paid him off real quick and kind of never looked back, you know. I just, I just started, you know, I knew how to mill lumber. And I bought, a, bought my first, I had, at that point I was hiring like Bill and other people to mill lumber for me. And then I bought my first sawmill um, in, um, I think that would have been in the late 90s, I guess. Um, uh, George Gowan out in Philo had, had, had a mill that he hadn't used. And so I bought that and I started milling and yeah. Um, all the way up until 2000, well, I moved into this location in 03. And then um, did really good for the. For, I had a little boutique lumber yard on the side here, and you know provided everything from siding, decking, fencing, that kind of stuff. Um, and then in 2005, 2004, 2005, I moved into this warehouse location and started to kind of get more into the slab um, thing and live edge furniture and that kind of stuff. And then I still have a sawmill in Albion where I mill all material and provide that kind of stuff the siding decking fencing thanks you guys have a good day uh, it's all good it's all part of the part of the, the mission you know <laughs> uh, it's gonna go with me probably until yeah I'm, I don't know it's not it's not all worked out yet so I can't tell you definitively but something alrighty thanks again um that's, it's a good question because I look around this this gallery and there's all kinds of wood that of <laughs> different trees, different sources. How much of it did you mill? All of it. Yeah, um, I have um, I have an extensive collection of wood. I've been gathering wood since I was 26, and I'm now almost 50, and so I have a big collection of wood. Um, and um, it's. Um, yeah, I have somewhere in the marks of 3,000 slabs and then... Um that was a group called Iron Horse interpreting Fire on the Mountain. 
And you are listening to the Eco Hour. I'm Chad Swimmer, your host on KZYX and Z, listener powered community radio from Mendocino County and beyond. And let's go back to our interview with Nathan Anderson of Anderson's Alternatives. I don't have a ton of milled lumber because I like to run the mill where I have logs and I have stock and stuff, and then I mill up what people need as they need it, which is a, a better, I think, a more efficient way to run a sawmill than to have a lot of lumber just laying around. Um, the sun degrades it, uh, you know, things happen to it. It's better to just keep it in log form and then cut it up as, as needed, you know, for the exterior siding, decking, fencing. This stuff has to, you have to dry for three, three an inch a year. Mostly I cut stuff two and a half inches thick. So I have two and a half to three inch to three years minimum that I can, that I can, uh, before I can even use this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I find a log, usually, you know, urban salvage, I find a yard tree, someone comes to me, or I find something laying on the ground, a windfall is what I really like. I like down stuff, I like trees that are, that are, um, you know, um, yeah, that, that live their life and that are at the end, of, that are either at the end of their life or they're, they've fallen over and no longer, you know, Living, and then I can come along and 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 kind of utilize what's what's left over. Um, um, I, you know, there is some trees here that were cut down, and um, but m- mostly ninety nine point nine percent, it's because there was a reason, right? The tree was in in the front yard, and the branches were falling through the roof, or you know, all these different kinds of things, but. Um, not because like oh I need money and so let's cut this tree down because we need money mm-hmm. so it's a little different way of, of dealing with stuff it's like you know um, yeah yeah so I have I, I have a number of questions about different aspects of the lumber business right and to me this is really it's it's beautiful it's interesting it's um, if I want to build a house, it seems like a great idea. But one of the big complaints from, say, Cal Fire about the small lumber business, and I think that you're probably like the, the most artisan small end of it, mm-hmm. that how do you scale it up? That you still have to do this industrial timber harvest to get enough wood for society. And I don't know, what is that? Yeah, um, that's, that's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, um, you know, I think that again, that goes back to the every, there being small mills in in every town, and and you know, I mean, I mean, Albion Ridge has eight different small sawmills, right? So it's like those kind of people working together. If they could, if they could work together to, um, you know, to provide, uh, uh, to you know, to. Pro- provide for some of those bigger bigger sales or whatever bigger orders then that could be something that could or how that could happen um you know um there you know i i don't i don't know i mean i don't know if i'm answering your question exactly right but i would say it's um you know it's it depends on um what it is i mean I like to work with with it in relative to a tree, maybe a group of trees, but not as a log truck load, right? Mm-hmm. And I had uh, I've had people contact me and say, "Well, we want you know we have a bunch of we have a we're a big timber land owner, and we want to do something with uh, our tan oak, or we want to do something with our whatever our these other species which are in the way of our 
fir and our um, on our redwood, our conifers. Um, how do we how do we um, have you know have this happen? And um, I think what I hope and uh, you know what I have been doing in the last bunch of years, and I haven't I, I haven't made it to where it's like okay, this is what I'm doing, and I'm kind of creating only this because. In order to have this business, I have to do a lot of different things, right? I have a custom fabrication uh, store where I, I mean, uh, wood shop where I make, you know, furniture. But then at the same time, I'm running back to my sawmill and I'm milling lumber because somebody needs some decking. So I'm doing all the different things, whatever it is that somebody needs. And you're doing business Um, right now. (laughs) And uh, paying this man for his rocker. He's Um, doing everything. You know, if if I, so anyways, what I was going to say is in terms of like making products, like uh, flooring, which I've done, quarter saw and ten oak floor. I milled. I milled personally. I built my own house completely out of, and it's a, it's only a thousand square foot house, but it's big. It's got a twenty foot tall roof, and it's got a eight and twelve, you know, roofs. Got it's a big building um, for me, anyways. It's not. It's not. A, you could call it a cabin, but it's a big cabin if it's a cabin. Um, but it's. I milled every board in it, right? Um, and um, so. Um, you know, it, it, in terms of making those products, um, I, you know, I have a location, you know, where we do that and where we, you know, where we make those products. And it just all depends on how people support it, right? And how people find out about it and how people, we can make flooring, we can make TNG, we can make, you know, beam packages, we can do all that stuff, right? But it's just about local people or non-local people, whatever people supporting that, right? And um, uh, it's a kind of a give and take, right? For me, I, I never wanted to have a business that um, I that ran me that I didn't run, right? I, I if And it's also, for me, like I milled that Tano log over there in the slabs, which is behind you there. And um, and I, I, it took me six years to, to get that, into flat, dry slabs. So it's 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 one of those things where it's like, but yet, you know, it was a log that was a windfall. It was sitting, laying down. I found it on a job that I went to. I brought it home in my truck. I slapped it out. I dried it. You know, I brought. I surfaced it. I brought it here. You know, I slabbed it. You know, it's a process, right? And so it's 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 like it's also I think if you're doing this and you're doing it right. It's not about extraction. Again, going back to that, it's not about extraction. If we're just going to extract, then we then there's no filter for it. It's like mm-hmm. everything that's out there gets cut down, and we put it into and we process it, and we do whatever. So it should be based on what is what, what is available, what and what is you know my my criteria is ideally it's a mature tree. I do get some second growth like from yard trees. I recently got some from a local guy who had, whose his house was shaded out, right? So they're living second growth trees, right? But his house is completely walled in and shaded out. The cabin is molding and rotting because there's no sun getting to it. So he takes some small second growth around the house and I you know, I get the wood and I turn it into lumber for people to use. So there's variations to the theme, but if you're just going and mowing down forests and not, have, not thinking about about what the you know what the regrowth is, all those different kinds of things, and you're not, in my personal opinion, not thinking about it right. So to go back to your question is how do you scale it? I think that ideally people start to, I mean, there's a lot there's of stuff that's available that 
is left behind. You know, it's like a it's like an orchard that grows fruit and the fruit falls on the ground and no one no one harvests it anymore. And, but they'll go down to the store and buy the stuff that gets imported from from Mexico all the time because it's right in front of them. Well, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Say with tan oak, and say with flooring, you've got so much flooring coming out of Malaysia and coming out of the Philippines mm. and people want nice flooring and tan oak and madrone should be able to make fantastic flooring but what are the challenges I mean there's in your average even a non-industrial timber management plan yeah. there's a lot of tan oak that they don't know what to do with yeah so there's a few things there's there's another company um, in Humboldt that's actually making um, that, that's making flooring um uh, and they've been successful and they've done it and I do it as well and I've done it and I've been successful my I can only speak to what my success is but my success is to quarter saw it and that it, what they did back in the day when LP or whoever that is or GP I don't remember who it was but did that run where they they ran a bunch of flooring and supposedly tried to tried to do it um it was all what's called mill run. So that means that you're cutting the boards from any part of the log, depending on how it, it goes through the mill. Like you would cut a redwood log. Redwood, you're not necessarily isolating any kind of the grain in any different direction. But what we do to make it very simple and not too complicated for people to understand is we cut it into quarters, and then we cut those quarters on the, across this vertical grain, across the grain, so the grain straight up and down. And that's what makes the, the wood super stable so it's really on a lot of simple ways that's the basic of it i have a pile in albion that i've milled that i stacked and stickered and air dried and it's completely straight it doesn't have a bunch of warble and a bunch of twist tano can be very unstable it can be very uh wild and the other thing that you do is you center the heart so basically the heart would run if you're making your pies the heart is is centered on where all the pies would meet so you got four pies, four quarters, and where the, the heart is centered, not at an angle through the grain, so mm -hmm. that you don't get any what's called slope of grain or grain run out. Um, mm -hmm. You would then be, you know, so so it's about how you do it. But doing that way is a bit more time consuming. It's a bit more um, with the, those mills that are production mills. The mill goes in there and schling, 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 and it comes out and it goes to the conveyor and it goes to the edger and it goes to the whatever and it gets stacked and there's not any, it's not done in a way where how can we get the best board out of this out of this, you know, log? How can we best get the most stablest board out of this log? You know, it's not done in that way. So it would just have to be the right kind of a mill, the right kind of a setup that wasn't done so mm -hmm. and i've done it i have a meal i have it set up i have an i have this the you know i have the uh basically i have the, the wood miser sawmill i quarter the logs so it means i have to cut it into four throw off three pieces throw one back up edge the you know quarters you know flitch what they call flitch cut that one which has the live edge on one side and the rake angle on the other then it goes off on onto the conveyor belt roller table and it goes on to uh through an edger and the edger makes it the dimension that it is cuts off the live edge on the one side the outer part of the tree on the other side and the center of the tree on the other side and makes the plank the plank gets gets stickered and then it's also mailed a little over thickness than what's needed and then it gets stickered and dried and then it can be turned into flooring from there 
How long does it have um, to dry for tan oak? For tan oak, it depends. I like to say that if you start in the fall, you want to take it out in the spring. If you start in the spring, you can take it out in the fall as long as you get it before the rain rains come. Um, you know, and it depends on whether you're covered. I, I like to dry under tin, so the sides are covered, and I've got sheet, um, you know, tin tin metal on top, so there's airflow. Um, I actually currently have a thousand square feet that I'm going to put in my my uh, cabin. Um, that uh, I just that I just finished building in 2000, but I'm still finishing it now. But it's one of the last things that would would, would do, and uh, um, it's there, ready to go. So um, quarter saw completely stable, completely flat, completely straight, um, and I'll probably put it in pretty soon. Well, I'm thinking. I've been thinking a lot about how so many neighborhoods in an area like Mendocino neighborhoods being often one dirt road or part of a dirt road where a number of houses are have large amounts of fire prevention work that needs to be done Mm -hmm. and it occurred to me that if a portable mill could be brought in to deal you know for a year's work or something Mm -hmm. to deal with all the trees that are Mm -hmm. being thinned out right but if what are the challenges to that well I do it I I mean that's how I started this was doing we with going back to the working with Bill we did cut we did you know, custom milling, we call call it. We'd go to someone's house, they'd have a tree down, we'd cut their, cut up their tree, we'd leave the leave the lumber, you know, behind and the mess behind, which Bill always loved. But um, and then currently I have an actual sawmill location where I uh, where I mill. But um, I still do custom milling. I still go to people's houses and do that. Um, in terms of it doing it on a scale where it would be larger. Um, volume and trying to kind of address one thing. I mean, that would totally work. You might even have two or three sawmills going if it was a big project, right? Um, but the the Woodmiser sawmill is is the uh, so you know so going back a little bit to what it used to be. There was a big big circle sawmills, big you know heavy curve, big big you know it's like a saw blade, big saw blade, you know like a big wheel you know and we cut with band mills that are thin curve super efficient so when Woodmiser came up with the and that and, and that became when it went from being the big corporations with those big huge mills to small mills that could then do the manufacturing on site and and uh and it would get it got what it did was it got the the manufacturing's more in the hands of the u- user or the owner of the property versus having to have the logs extracted and taken to a one one location where they were then sorted and the the you know the what you would call the that model of, mm-hmm. of you know of extraction it all stays there the the you know the the slash gets cut into firewood or used for garden beds or whatever it, it all stays on the property. Um, well, that and that's a, makes me think about. Like this is a woodmiser mill, right? That, that, this is what I use is yeah, a woodmiser mill. That yeah. was kind of that revolutionized the small mill market. Exactly, didn't it? it revolutionized it because it made it to where um, you know they were relatively, you know, and I was I was in on the ground floor of that because I worked with the guy, one of the guys who he had mill number fourteen hundred. He had the mill, the, you know, one of one of the first mills in eighty. He bought in the eighty three or eighty four, whatever. That was, um, you know, um, yeah. And that was, you know, that was the start of it, was that little old manual mill. Now I have one that's more hydraulic and more auto- automated, but it's still basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Motor, 
you know, carriage goes up and down and the carriage goes back and forth on the thing. You roll the log on, you turn it, you cut it, you turn it, you cut it. But it's great because you can do a lot of stuff with it. You can cut little, you can cut one dimension on this side. You can cut that dimension over there. You can, you can get vertical grain. You can turn, you can make a can, you know, there's an infinite amount of possibilities on how to cut one log and to get every stick out of that log especially when you're talking about trying to solve for grade um, and stuff. Like if, you know, I can do the quarters on tan oak, or then the next day I can throw a log on, I can make a beam out of the center of a log, or I can make a, you know, a beam on one side and some small boards on the other. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no limit. Um, yeah. The only limit is, is, is knowing how to get there and how to do it, you know, in terms of, you know, that's kind of the gained experience. Mm-hmm. Alice DiMaselli made out of water, listener-powered community radio from Mendocino County and beyond. And you are listening to the Eco Hour. I'm Chad Swimmer, your host on KZYX and Z. And let's go back to our interview with Nathan Anderson of Anderson's Alternatives Eco Wood Products. One of the the lessons that society has learned so much with the abandoning of the big mills, like say the you know the GP mill site in Fort Bragg, is right. the amount of pollution that gets left behind. Yeah. And you know I I think about all the engines that I've been around in my life and the older ones that are leaking and stuff, right. and how easy is it to keep an old Woodmiser mill clean and not drip in fluids? Uh, pretty easy. I've got a uh, mine has a little a little. Uh, uh, cat Perkins cat um, four, four four cylinder Perkins cat um, and uh, I use um, um, mostly I use like uh, biodegradable uh, like veggie oil to lube the mill so I don't get much because you know the sawdust gets used for compost I make dirt for the with the sawdust the slash gets used for um, um, I trade it to a buddy of mine who uses it for building everything from fences to um, other stuff, and he gets me. He trades me for eggs, so that's like <laughs> one of the best deals I've ever had in my life. Nice. And he's a longtime friend of mine, and so he gets. Uh, you know, he does. He uses everything from firewood to um, to funky fences to garden beds to different stuff and um and then you know so people my neighbor the other day come over can i have some slash yeah have at it you know so um so even the the byproduct byproducts that we're making are completely organic completely usable so you know i don't i don't really even now that i'm in one location more so than i ever used to be um it's it's you know i mean to say that it's would be completely nothing but i don't have i don't I don't have oil slicks under under my equipment. I just it just doesn't you know it's everything's tight and you know so that's just kind of what I of the local woods around. What are your favorite woods to work with? Um, well, if you're talking about building furniture, that'd be California Bay Laurel. Um, California Bay Laurel is 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 the uh, the top-notch um, wood. It's a hardwood. It's a California native hardwood, and you know my business. I'm. I don't. I don't deal in exotics, so I, I don't. I don't have a piece of wood in here that's from anywhere but here. Um, and um, I, I don't have a. You know, if I don't know where it comes from, and ideally, if I didn't cut it myself, but I do have some material that I didn't cut myself. But ideally, if I don't know where it comes from, uh, where, how it came, I'm not interested in it. Because mm-hmm. the way I, what I think is, is that it's about the kind of, the, it's, I, I, early on in 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 it, there I realized that it was about, you know, 
if, if, if you get a piece of wood, it, the energy goes with that piece of wood, right? So if you if you got a piece of wood and it was, um, um, you know, taken from um, from a piece of property and just cut down, and because a person needed money and the whole thing, there's energy that goes along with that. And I I, I like to have material that I can look at, and I know that that log came from Old Mill Farm and that they took it down because it was a big tree and it was in the yard and it was shading out the house. You know, I know the story of all of them. You know, so um, yeah, my favorite wood to work with is California Bay Laurel, but um, I sell a lot of walnut, I sell redwood, I sell oak, tan oak, um, I sell. But basically, you know, um, you know, in, in any given day, my, my favorite wood is something that that is that I'm able to utilize that is nobody else wants. And um, I love. I I learned early on when I was a young Sawyer. I cut I cut some logs up for a guy, and there was like five logs, and he 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 wanted the ones that were all straight and clear and clean, you know, and he didn't want this one that was like really naughty and nasty looking and from the outside you'd have looked at it and you thought that's just like there's nothing there and um i cut that log up and it was the most beautiful wood i ever saw in my life you know at that point and i realized that it's the wood it's and what i say often is it's like people right the care the character is is we call it character when you that piece of wood has beautiful character well, when it's had something that's happened to it, right? When there's something that's happened to it, when it's the bees have got in or it's something, you know, it's another tree fell against it or something happened to it, it makes character. And that's the kind of wood for this, for furniture building anyways, that we want. We want character wood. We want wood that, that, that has a story. And on some levels, the more story it has to tell, the more interesting it is, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but I also, um, you know... I also see the connection that you know that trees, you know, we're, to say that we're that we're disconnected from from trees or the forest or whatever that is. Once once something is down, people say that that's a dead. You know, but I don't see it that way, right? I see it that that um, that especially as you're cutting these trees and you're looking inside, you're seeing the story of them. You know, you know, of course, you can count the growth rings and you can look back and see, you know okay, this is when Jesus Christ walked the earth, if you're talking about a super old tree, or, you know, you can date different different things along the line. But you can also see the color, the, what the bugs did to it, what the staining is, what the checks were, what all the different characters and things that happened. So I, I, I just like that story, right? And that, that's kind of never gotten old for me. And everything that's... Um, that's that kind of gets uh, old. That one's that one's not. You're being able to open up a tree, and my friend says trees are like people. You never know what you're going to get until you get inside. You know, until you really get to know them. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are closing shop. It looks like. Oh me? No, I got I got to go back to Fort Bragg and work for another. No, but I mean. Oh here. Yeah, you, what are your plans? You that you're closing um, up. I don't have an exact plan. plan. The Anderson Alternatives retail store um, uh, here in downtown Mendocino. The business is currently for sale. It's been for sale for about almost a year now, um, and um, uh, we haven't had anybody that's come forward that's been willing to kind of carry on the torch um we it's still for sale it's still there if anybody out there hears this interview and wants to um is you know come forward and and, uh um you know do this it's a fully happening retail store and uh wood shop and a bunch of inventory um i'm not looking to sell the sawmill 
um, or anything to do with that. Um, and um, if a sale doesn't derive, um, then it, it appears at this point, and I, I never like to say never, and I never like to say that I know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it appears at this point that I'll probably just take it home and, and be uh, open by appointment. Mm-hmm. I did, uh, July 1st was my uh, was my 20th anniversary of being here. Um, and um, so after 20 years of retail, it's been a wonderful ride. It's been a fun experience, but I'm, I'm ready to, you know, I have a property that I like to be at and um, I want to, you know, I work here on the weekends and I, I just find myself not wanting to be down here on the weekends and wanting to do different things. I actually have some really good projects that I'm involved in and want to be more involved in community-minded projects, working with people, building community, building um, stuff. Um, and they're all kind of in the incubation stage, but some really fun projects that I'm uh, really passionate about. So, um, um, you know, stay tuned for what's what's next. There'll be fun, fun stuff. Um, uh, coming along, um, but I think Excellent. it's it's this is this is lived out. It's 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 life in terms of for me, you know. Uh, I want to spend the next you know thirty years of my life doing stuff to kind of put back in the well. Mm-hmm. I was a, a a wild hellion troubled kid, and many people came along and and guided me. And I'd like to do some of that. I'd like to guide guide some some um, young, you know, it could be youth, could be adult, um, but some people maybe that might need need that help um, in whatever way whether that's pr- just facilitating a place and space for that or actually being involved directly I, I don't know yet but but you know um, yeah and use a different part of my brain um, and also build I, I'm a builder I like to build so and, and have project you know have, have projects going on be involved in projects so being able to you know to take this wood that I would probably still have and build other things and do other, you know, fun and inventive and uh, creative things is, is what I'm kind of looking forward to nice. in the later part of my, my life career. <laughs> Nathan yeah. Anderson, thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, yeah, I hope yeah. I answered all your questions. Uh, seems like you did. Thank you for spending the last hour with me, Chad Swimmer, here on the Ecology Hour. I hope you learned as much as I did making this show. As always, the views and opinions expressed are those and only those of myself and my guests, and not those of the management or staff of any station that chooses to air this show. This show was produced on Audacity's open source software for sound editing by a small staff in an even smaller studio on the unceded stolen land now known as Casper, California, America. It originally aired on KZ YXNC, listener-powered community radio from Mendocino County and beyond. It comes to you via the invisible but carbon-intensive magic of the internet. If you want to share this show with a friend or listen to any of the back episodes of any of my shows, go to www.disquietmedia.blue. If you would like to comment on anything you heard here, email me at cswimmr at gmail.com. See you next time.